Are you looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And God puts us in that situation where we have a query about it. And he does that so that we then would realize we need to get better answers and we're going to get them from God. But God, in his ultimate wisdom of understanding for you, is he says, I will give you that information. And one of the ways I do that is through pastor teachers who have studied the word a little bit further than you have to grant you understanding of that passage and to teach you. Now, some of you might think, well, that puts these people up on high hog platforms. They are no better than a computer guy who knows more about computers than you do and you go to them for advice. No different than a medical doctor when you have a dilemma and you seek out opinion and a second opinion. It's no different than when you've got a problem with your car and you say, I don't know what to do, so you go to the right person to give you advice what to do. The only difference hopefully will be, hopefully will be, that with the pastor he is clean and close with God so that when he gives you this information, it is not mucked up with a lot of personal opinions and and, and prejudices that it is filled with the accurate knowledge of God with number one in mind, and that is to bring glory to God by giving you the right truth in a way that you can receive it. So he gives it to you in meekness and in truth. But it will never work if God stations in your life pastor teachers and you don't go to them when you make some of the decisions and you want to know what is God's will for my life. And what I'm finding out now, as I'm now pastoring for 30 years, is less and less people are going to pastors, and probably why. One, they don't want to be told because pride is more prevalent today. Secondly, too many pastors have fallen, so now we even question pastors. And so we've got a lot of problems with people in authority today, so we don't even go to them. And the few that break through that little bit of grid will be those that want to hear what a pastor has to say, only to see if they like it or they want to agree with it, rather than to say, hmm... Maybe God is speaking. I need to seriously consider this. Now, that doesn't mean that every pastor is going to have every answer for every issue of life that you will face. But it does mean that you need to build relationships with pastors, teachers, with those who know the word that you feel like you can trust, at least to have them show you from God's word some of the principles that might help you come to understand what is God's desire in you understanding wisdom for your life. He's put them for you. Number three. By studying scripture personally, circle the word studying, studying it. So yes, God has those guys out there and gals, Bible teachers, some great women Bible teachers as well. But if all you do is sit in front of a television or a DVD or you pop on a CD in your car or you listen to radio, I'm going to tell you not every one of them are going to speak truth, truth. Most of them will speak truth and error and a few of them will speak truth, truth. So you will see that. But the responsibility still lies upon you and me. Underline the word personally. Personally. Do you know that you are responsible for the choices you make in life? So am I. And if we make the wrong choices, we have to live with the consequences and you can't blame God. And God says, I've given you the instruction through your pastor how to know God's will. You chose not to take that. You now are making decisions on the fly. You're now having the consequences and you're asking me, begging me, demanding out of me that I get you out of the dilemma that you brought yourself in when I already brought all the stuff to you ahead of time. So you need to study it personally. Now, let me give you a pause on that. One way to study it is in the midst of a dilemma that you're in and you begin to seek the verses and the principles to be able to get out of that dilemma or you don't have a dilemma. I don't mean like a sin or a crisis. It means you have a dilemma because you've got to either buy that car or this car. You've got to go there, change careers, go to a different college, 
move off island, whatever the decision it is, that's a good thing to do. You want to go to your toolbox for it. But watch this. You need to be filling up your toolboxes with more tools before the next dilemma comes your way. If not, then you're going to be struggling to pull out a tool that doesn't fit that dilemma because you didn't put it in the toolbox. So that's why it takes a consistent, disciplined time of study of God's Word. All right, number four, by asking for it. I know this sounds so trite. Most people don't have a problem with number four. They'll ask God for it. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask a God who gives it to him liberally and without reproach. It'll be given to him. Most of us will say, oh, God, give me an answer to this. Help me with this. What should I do? What should I do? And often God is saying, I'll give you the answer to that problem. It's in the Word. Did you study it? No. Did you take time to read it? No. Did you go to a pastor? No. Do you really want to do it if you learned it? Hopefully. So we do the asking part, but we don't put the rest of the uh, ingredients in this beautiful, delicious cake we want to eat in a moment. Number five, by committing yourself to the Lordship of Christ. In other words, once you hear the answer and you want to do it, sometimes what you hear and what you have to do is going to be so painful to you, sometimes more painful than the situation you're in right now. But it's still very good for you to have to go through that. I, I have been blessed, as, as of right now, this very moment, with a very healthy appendix. Okay? How many of you have had your appendix removed? Would you raise your hand? How many... Okay, would you stand and show us your scar, please? No, I'm joking, joking, joking. Okay, now here's what I'm saying. Somewhere along the line, the dilemma was some pain and discomfort and, and, and something was wrong, throwing up, nauseous. I don't know, I not, not had what you have with the pre-appendectomy. But I will tell you that if they did not give you anesthesia to remove that appendix, I'm telling you, surgery hurts. You cut on this body right here, it hurts. And it's going to hurt a lot more than the a little bit of pain I have with the appendix. And when it bursts, the pain releases because the pressure's gone, only to send poison throughout my system, only to die. So what am I trying to tell you at this point? That is that when you commit yourself to the Lordship, you've got to be willing to do what His will is, no matter the cost nor the pain, because it's all about God and not about you and me. What is God's will? There's five of them here. Now, I only picked five so you can start thinking about, okay, I want to do His will. I'm okay where I'm, I'm at so far, but what are some of the things that are in His will so I don't miss anything, even accidentally? Man, I want to make sure I see every road sign that's in front of me. So what's His will? Number one, non-Christians to come to faith in Christ. Would you circle the word come to faith in Christ? If right now you're seated here and you're wanting to know, I don't know, what is God's will for my life right now? It's for you to go to heaven when you die and to know it before you die so at least you have some peace about the afterlife when you go through the non-peace of the present life. And here's what the verse says. I exhort, first of all, that prayers be made for all men, and that could be women too, all people, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. What is? Praying for all people, but this also is good and acceptable, that God desires all people to be saved. So scratch out the word all people there and write your name in there. Who desires you to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So he doesn't want you just to have fire insurance from hell. He wants you to continue to grow to know more about God accurately. But you can't know more about God accurately until you get your fire insurance from hell. He wants you to be saved. So those of you who are our guests for just a moment, let me make this clear. Because if it's saying it's his will for you to have faith in Christ, what does that mean you need to do? You need to admit to the Lord that you are a sinner. A person who um, does not sense his need to be saved will not look to a savior. 
If you do not sense that you are lost driving down the highway and you missed your exit, you will not turn on your GPS. You will not look at your map. You will just diddly bop through life even though you passed the exit on the H1 only to find yourself in another part of the island. Wasted time and have to turn around and come back. So right now, humble yourself and realize you have missed the mark of God's perfection to get into heaven. If you told a lie, you can't get into heaven. If you had a lustful thought, you can't get into heaven. If you had anger, you can't get into heaven. If you wanted something that didn't belong to you, whether you stole it or not, you can't get into heaven. In fact, God says only absolutely perfect people can get there. So here's how you can deduce. You can deduce from this that nobody's perfect. That means nobody can get to heaven. And you would really be right if being good would get you there. And that's why God quickly comes back. Not only are you not perfect, you are condemned forever to a Christless flame in hell forever and ever. He also says, though, that there is an escape for you, and it's found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So he says, now, you don't have to be good to go to heaven. You're saved by grace through faith. You don't have to join a church, change your life. You just have to realize you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You have to believe that there is only one Savior, and he's not going to be some man-made person nor some famous religious guy. That only Savior is Jesus Christ, who is the Lord, and you've got to believe he is all God and only God. And now you're saying, I believe that Jesus died, he rose again, he's forgiven me of all of my sins, and I'm placing my full confidence that when I die, he's taken me to heaven, not because I'm good, not because I trusted in him, and also I'm trying to keep on being good to go to heaven. I fully trusted in his complete forgiveness once and for all. And you know what he says then? He says, since you've trusted my son, I'm giving my spirit to live inside of you. Your name is, so to speak, in heaven. You have a place reserved for you. I took taken your sins and I cast them in the sea of forgiveness as far as the east is from the west. You now have my divine nature. You are now my child. I will not send my own children to hell. You are mine forevermore. And all it was is by faith alone in Christ alone. And that's his will for your life. Now, you can sit back there and say, yeah, it's got to be some other way. Okay. It's not his fault, though, when you have to live with eternal consequences, and that would be hell. Number two. What's another part of his will? Let's move away for those of you who have trusted Christ as Savior. That would be Christians to be filled or influenced by the Holy Spirit. Woo! Remember how it said that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will? Okay. Then it says be filled with his Spirit. How do we know his will? His will will be in his Word. Capital W, small O-R-D, in the Word of God. His will is in his Word. So if I'm filled with the Spirit, I will be filled with the Word. How do I know when I'm filled with the Spirit? Watch this, watch this. When I know that I'm making correct decisions based upon the knowledge of His will or of His Word. So the two go together. Watch. I give the Spirit His greatest weapon against my doubts and my confusion. When I take the Word of God that I've studied, I give it back to the Spirit of God to convict, train, teach, and empower the child of God for the glory of God. That is rich stuff. That's why the verses all go together. That's why I know my Bible is inspired. Because whole chapters can connect this way so specially. And so you've got to be filled with the Spirit, so influenced by a Spirit. Number three, this one you're not going to like. It's God's will that Christians may also suffer. We have this pop uh, Christianity today that when you trust Christ, everything is great. There's some people that believe, you know, man, life is so great, it is wonderful. No, we're going to have some suffering, and here's the verse that says this. It says, Therefore let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good, as to the faithful Creator. Suffer 
according to the will of God. Look up here now for a moment. I'm going to split a theological hair with you. Sometimes you're going to suffer because, when I say you, it's me too. Sometimes I'm going to suffer because I have willfully disobeyed God. Not ignorantly done it, just willfully. I know it was wrong. I knew it was blah, 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 blah. And God, bang, he hits me. And I'm suffering for that. Do you know that it's God's will for me to suffer because of the wrong choices I made only to bring me about brokenness so that I go back to his holiness and be better? So even when I'm wrong, he's right. And even when I do something wrong, even mercifully and graciously, because even though he causes me to suffer, he will never make me suffer more than what I deserve in order to turn me around to him. So even when I'm chastened as his child, that is still good suffering. Then there are some of us in this room will suffer by stuff that we never control. An automobile out of control that slams into our car. We're driving down an intersection and a drunk driver breaks through a stop sign and kills your child. You're suffering. You'll never be able to watch that child go down the aisle to get married. They're dead. It wasn't your fault. That person drank, broke the law, out of control. You may suffer because I cannot always understand the why. And that's why the rest of this verse says that I have to commit my soul to him who is the faithful creator. And that's the step of faith that makes you a great Christian and moves you from being a good Christian to God. I get so excited over that. And that's only going to happen as you now grow in your faith and the knowledge of His will. And that's His will. Sometimes to suffer so that you can trust Him more. Number four, Christians giving thanks. That's His will. It says, in everything give thanks. So you could scratch out the word everything in there and put anything in there you want. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Number five, what's the will of God? That Christians live pure, separated lives unto God. For this is the will of God, circle that, your sanctification. And part of that is that you would abstain from sexual immorality. And if any of you that are listening to this on radio and you're involved in any immoral relationship, no matter how much you want to justify it, call it hormones, call it the world is doing it, call it I know other Christians are doing it, redefine what morality is or isn't, however you want to do it, I'm going to tell you it is not the will of God. The seeds of a bad marriage are planted in the moral impurity of a date life. And so the will of God is to be pure. So don't look at it negatively, look at it positively. Come to faith in Christ. Be filled with the Spirit. Realize it's okay to suffer. God's there. He's went through it with you through Christ. You can make it. Give thanks to the Lord in everything. And then finally live purely. How blessed that is. Here's Paul. He never met these people. He's about ready to give them truth. But before he gives them truth, he tells how he's praying for them. And this is what he's praying. That they would fully understand the will of God so they would have understanding and wisdom. Because the benefits of having wisdom and understanding, because they have a full heart of knowledge of His will, will be these six. So it's not just about so they have a brain full of knowing His will, it's so that their life would change. There's so much going on in churches today, they want to know so much about the Bible, but they rarely want to hear about a changed life. And I'm going to tell you that God says it's more blessed to do than it is merely to know. And so here it is. Let's go through the six of them. What are the six benefits that will happen when you pray this prayer should they engage in it? Number one, a worthy walk. A worthy walk. It says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. And for me, I would circle the word, that's you. In other words, I want you to know the will of God so that you would do something with your life. You would have what is known as a worthy walk. Circle the words, fully pleasing to Him. Not heart, half-heartedly pleasing to Him, but completely pleasing to Him. 
two things are involved in a walk. One is called direction, and the other one is called progress. Let's say that um, I want to go over here to my dear friend Randy, who's, who's doing the PowerPoint for us. I want to shake his hand. Am I? Is he right in front of me right now? He is. I'm in the right direction. How close have I gotten in the last 10 seconds? <laughs> Not very close. So I've got direction, but I don't have a walk yet. So you can have direction with no progress. How many of you have ever played the game Pin the Tail on the Donkey? Would you raise your hand? You kids probably hardly ever. Do you ever play that? Now I got all this video stuff. When I was a kid, blind you, put a donkey's, you know, rump, rear end, and you had a tail with a little tack on it. You, they spun you around, and then you had to find the donkey's and stick it in there. Okay. You can have a lot of progress, but if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. And so a worthy walk is you know where you're going and you're making progress with it. And that's a result of knowing God's will so that you would do that. Number two. Number two, a fruitful lifestyle. Being fruitful in every good work. Somehow in there I'm thinking you could do a lot of good work but not have a lot of results from it. And after a while I think that's going to really tire you down. This last uh, meeting we had with uh, the pastors, we sat down and talked about our church. Are we seeing fruit? And I was kind of wrangling on, I don't see enough fruit. And we were talking about, I don't think we're, we're not having enough fruit. And those of you who know me, I don't care if we had 10,000 people here. I'd still sit in the corner and say, we still don't have enough fruit around here. You know, I'm just, I'm just that way. But I had some good guys that came alongside me in my little pity party whining time. And they said, we are seeing fruit. And he named your name. And he talked about the people that are joining, the ones that got baptized. We, we are seeing fruit. So sometimes fruit's going to be explosive with, with it just dripping off the tree. Sometimes you're going to be so excited. I want you to know, Carol and I are going to have a baby. I, thank you very much. <laughs> About 18 months ago, we planted the tops of three pineapples in a little bucket. And just this last week, I went in the backyard, and there's this little pineapple. I came in, and I had to tell Carol, we're going to have a baby! Now, I have to tell you, I want to put screens and guards all around our little baby right there. So you can have a lot of fruit, or you can have one little pineapple. But that'll be the result of someone who knows God's will that you've prayed for. Number three, a deepening knowledge of God. It says an increasing in the knowledge of God. Woo! Increasing. It means not just that you have the knowledge, but it's increasing. So circle the word increasing in the knowledge of God. What was the name of the brand of potato chips that says, I bet you can't eat just one? Does anybody remember? Lays. Lays. All right. The kids, the first ones, right out of the box. But you've got to know something. I'm the same way. You give me one potato chip, that's not enough. If you popped up popcorn for me and you just gave me one, you might as well have committed suicide. Okay? Because I've got to have more. And here's what I'm saying with that. If you pray for someone to have the knowledge of his will, he then will have an increasing knowledge of God. In other words, he won't be one of those that will kind of be one of those uh, drive-by Bible students, boom, get something out of the Word and leave it. They won't just take a little devotional and drop it. They did their little thing. They're going to be saying, i got to know more. I want more, 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 more. And that's the difference, and that's what we want. I want to pray that for all those walking with God that are out in the ministry, all of our missionaries. I want to pray for all of our pastors, all of our deacons. I want to pray it for you. But please, folks, pray it for me. Number four, spiritual strength. When I pray for these people and they now have increased in the knowledge and the will of God, they'll be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, spiritual strength. 
Circle the word strengthen, circle the word all might, and circle the word power. I mean, you're just kind of like exploding. But now, when you hear that, some of you are going to say, yep, yep, I got the strength now to live this great Christian life. But if you take it in the context, it's talking about having patience and perseverance in the context of suffering. And here's where I think the greatest strength is needed. Not to have to endure this, not to have patience and long suffering through this. Here it is for me. It's to be joyful in the midst of all this junk. And that's the benefit of knowing His will and having a body of believers praying that we would know His will. That people will not be eliminated from the suffering, but that they'll be able to go through it. It's not like, Lord, deliver me from cancer. No, it's, I got cancer. Let me rejoice in this thing so I could be a ministry to others. Boy, that's hard taking, isn't it? From someone who doesn't have cancer, but someone who lived with someone who had, who had that very strength. And you can have it too. But number five is patient endurance. For all patience and suffering with joy, patient endurance. So underline patience, underline long-suffering, circle joy. And I like to put the word all, circle that. Let's go to number six. And the last thing you're going to have is what is known as a thankful heart. Give thanks with a grateful heart. That is so important in our Christian life. The core teaching of thankfulness is so profound and is so incorrectly taught in Scripture that it would be very inappropriate for me even to start teaching on that today. Part two of the worthy prayer is the whole concept of gratefulness in that worthy prayer. And I want to talk about that then. I want you to have an opportunity to engage in this great body of truth. Question number one, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, is this. If it's God's will to place my faith in Jesus Christ, have I already done it or will I do it right now? So would you simply say, Lord, I'm a sinner. The best I know how, I'm going to trust Jesus Christ as my only hope to heaven. Now you do that in a silent prayer between you and the Lord. You cannot make a mistake. Only God knows your thoughts. Faith is so small, it's like a grain of mustard seed. It can be so shallow as perhaps a little child, as the Bible says. As long as your faith is in the right object, that's all it takes. It's in Christ. And if you're saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. I know I cannot get to heaven by my good deeds or by my faith and good deeds. Is there anyone in here that's doing that now? You've never done it before. You're doing it now. And you'd like for me to pray for you. Now, Christians, here's my question for you. Who needs your prayers right now? This prayer right now. That they would have the full knowledge of his will and understanding and wisdom. Who needs your prayers? What military person? What family member? What schoolmate? What parent? What grandpa, grandma? What auntie needs this? Who needs this prayer right now? Number two, will you pray this prayer for them? Will you pray for them? And number three, final question for you Christians. When will you begin to pray? Some of you probably want to do it right now, but there's not a lot of time, and it's good to do it now, I know, but you're going to need to, be, you're going to, need to man up and boy up and girl up and woman up and get off to yourself sometime. Shut the TV off. Get up a few minutes earlier. Shut the radio off while you're driving to work in your truck or your SUV or your minivan or whatever beach car you have, and just shut it off for a moment, and you really bathe these people in prayer. And may I say this, that Paul didn't pray this prayer once for the Colossians. He did not. He prayed it over and 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 over. As often as he thought of them, he prayed for them. 
And that's how you've got to be. You've got to be their prayer partner, whether they know you or not. How many of you now would like to have prayer? My hand is up. So it's, I want you to pray for me that I would pray for others this prayer. Is there any of you that are saying, Pastor, pray for me because I want to, I want to pray this worthy prayer. And I have someone or some people on my mind right now. Would you pray for me that I would take ownership of what I've learned today? Would you raise your hand right now? Anyone at all? God bless you. Many hands. You know what I'm doing now? I'm rejoicing because of the benefits they'll receive because of your work of prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, oh, how this must make you so delighted. But Lord, first of all, we must have a clean heart as believers. If we're regarding iniquity in there, all this praying for others won't matter much. And so, Lord, help us now to confess our own sin. Let us get us back on track. Why would we pray for others to be wanting to know your will when we don't even care about it much? So, Lord, work in our heart as we're doing this all together. Lord, we are a a frail church that's trying to be healthy. We're trying to grow. We're trying to do the right things. Take us in our imperfections and grow us into the likeness of Christ. Father, bless you and magnify you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.